I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to the Smackdown Review. I'm Adam Wilborn from What Culture, joined by one of the Dudley Boys, Michael Hamflet from What Culture, to review everything that happened on Friday night's episode of Smackdown. But before we get into it, if you're a fan of this sort of thing, make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling on either iTunes, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts from, for daily wrestling podcasts, where we're not only review Friday night's Smackdown, but also Monday Night Raw. NXT Dubai, oh. AW Dynamite, AW Rampage, pay-per-views, premium live events. We have interviews, roundtable discussions, and a round of the week complete with a bloody quiz, of course, on WrestleCulture. As I said, they're joined by Michael Hamlet to review Friday Night SmackDown. Nice to be back doing it in person. Great to see you, mate. And what a great show this was. <laughs> it's lovely to have you back to be able to uh, see your face and your body language in full, radiating sarcasm that might not have come across on the Zoom call. It was one thing to <laughs> at least be able to see you and talk to you last week. It was quite another to be back in the building with you. Um, this was atrocious, this episode of SmackDown. This was absolutely abysmal. Last week, of course, um, you weren't even in, in any capacity on a Friday. You were no. off. Uh, so me and Sidgwick did the SmackDown preview, and uh, it was fun to have Sidge get a little taste of uh, what has become. I don't think he quite realised. You know, I was, I was, I said it on the podcast. I was like saying, oh, in the office, um, me and Sidgwick try and like look after one another as colleagues, and he'll come over to me. And I've done Rampage previews the last few weeks. Uh, do you want to swap this week? I'm like, yeah. no, 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 it's fine, it's fine, it's fine. Like, I don't want you, you please take it. Yeah. I don't think he quite realised the extent at which WWE giving you nothing allows us to say anything. <laughs> and he went through his raft of Metallica references uh, I was going to say we went off the rails, but I'm not sure we were ever on them. No, because no one's going to be like, this isn't the normal SmackDown preview. Exactly. There wasn't much to go off anyway. And, well, the show delivered what we previewed, which was uh, GX. <laughs> it was just, it, it was abysmal. And then, as if from nowhere, a bright guiding light, uh, the man with two letters and zero L's, is back <laughs> yet again in WWE's sort of auspices. And... I don't know. Just save the show. Made it. I don't, I'm not into the bad faith stuff on this podcast, and I know you're you're not either. So we're not just going to throw around throw throw around wild sweeping statements. Probably the best show of the year. This by the <laughs> end. Well, the thing is, yet again, I'm a victim of of the the situation that I watch this in. If I was, you know, a real professional, I'd sit down. At, I don't know. One a.m. What time it really <laughs> starts in the UK on a Friday night? Well, you probably sit at half twelve. And watch Wheel of Fortune first. Obviously, yeah. yeah. What actually happened was, I think I was still drunk watching this show yesterday, you know, catching up on it. I'd uh, I'd been away. I was best man for my friend's stag do Mm -hmm. in Manchester. Amazing weekend. So 
What was I the uh, stag dressed up as on the Saturday night? A Macho Man Randy Savage. Yes, please. Uh, so I was going to mention, I didn't want to mention this last week because I didn't want to jinx it. Yeah. Basically, it was like a two, two-pronged two attack, the reason why I was working from home. Mm-hmm. I had been in close contact with someone who'd had COVID. Yeah. And I was wanting to be safe and protect the boys and I tested and all that. And then I was also like, I also don't want to now roll the dice again, since I'm still testing negative, because I've got a huge weekend in Manchester. Yeah, yeah. You know, stag do with the bees. <laughs> I didn't want to miss out on that. And uh, yeah, so I really had a great weekend. And I thought, right, get back, catch up on Love Island, watch <laughs> Smackdown. I was living my best life. So I quite enjoyed this show. Oh. And I realized it's bad. I looked yeah. and I was like, everywhere I looked, people were like, this show's like a five out of 10. People were giving it, I think it got two ups and seven downs on whatculture.com's yeah. article all about it. I've no doubt that Simon Miller was positive about it because Simon Miller, is, is a, mm-hmm. he always sees the best in everything and everyone. But um, yeah, I felt a little bit like Simon Miller. I was like, well, it's gone to DQ, but it was fun while it lasted. So <laughs> I'm going to give it a pass. And then even I wasn't even sad that we didn't get a Maximum Male Model segment ne- this week because I was like, well, we're getting the best thing ever next yeah. week. So Yeah, the, Friday's preview's already sewn up, isn't it? Yeah. So we're good. And it did, I will say this, it's, the show started well because it started with one of WWE's biggest stars, Pat McAfee. Mm. Let's dive straight into it. Yeah. Cole's in the ring. He welcomes us to SmackDown. He brings out uh, a multi-year contract extension player that is Pat McAfee. Came, he gives a baby. Comes down, no neck brace. He's uh, he's back. He's happy to be back. He's happy to be back in front of the WWE Universe in Orlando tonight. Uh, and he apologized for forcing everyone to, last, to listen to Corey Graves for two hours last week. Uh, and they showed what happened with the attack, post money in the bank. And um, I quite find it quite funny, to be honest. Happy Corbin's yeah. reaction to Shin's music dropping <laughs> the last week. And, and McAfee was like, oh, the only time he's ever looked good is doing like a knockoff version of me, basically. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then he talked about their past when they were playing for the greatest American football team that there is, the Indianapolis Colts. So, Go yeah. Colts! Home run! Uh, he said, look, back then, he was he was humble. He was a hard worker. He still had hair. He only had one crap tattoo. <laughs> um, but he changed, called him a douchebag. He said, that's as far as I can go right now until we become TV 14. Uh, uh. Uh, promised to beat him at SummerSlam. Uh, and then Corbin appears on the big screen and says, oh, when well, you just stay behind the commentary table where you belong. He said, look, I'm a fighter. I was scrapping every day and training for the Colts. You were just kicking footballs. Uh, and then he said, oh, yeah, the problem is I've got this horrible rash uh, <laughs> from sitting at commentary last week, so I can't come anywhere near you until SummerSlam, but when I get my hands on you, you're getting a hiding. He was like, it might be monkeypox. I was like, that's two weeks in a row we've made a joke about. What's going on there? What is that about? Like, if we're, if we're doing now, if we're WWE, we know they listen. Yeah. So, like, thanks for listening as always. But if you're WWE and you're basically now doing, have you seen this? Have you heard about this? Like, they've just stolen yet more of our pattern. Yeah. Like, Dare I even ask what they might take from the news next week? Because there's been a lot of stories in the news lately. Yep. Reputable publications such as the Wall Street Journal. (laughs) Thumb through that and let's see if that makes it on television. Yeah. Because they've ticked off COVID. Lots of people dying. Ticked off monkeypox. Loads of people living in absolute terror and fear that something else awful is right around the corner. Is there anything else as he strokes his chin, <laughs> kicking around that perhaps they could, you know, leaf through and have one of the characters just make an offhand joke about why they can't wrestle tonight? Yeah, I, was, that, I don't it's like that. Dicey territory, this. Um, basically, McAfee saved it, though, because he said that's not monkeypox, you're just allergic to greatness. Yeah. And only someone like McAfee can say that as a baby <laughs> yeah. face and get away with it. Um, but he said, you know what, bollocks to this, let's get another one of the real stars out on this show. Piss off, Corbin. 
Here is Liv Morgan, and we'll talk about her match in a second. But, yeah, like, I don't want to go back to the days of 20-minute opening promos, but if I'm going to get one, I want it to be Pat McAfee. I have learned through Pat McAfee finally what the uh, where the origins of the phrase money talks yeah. comes from because this guy builds his um, programs from promos like this from the commentary table. If you remember, do you remember the self-made video promo he did for WrestleMania? Yes. Oh my god! Like the the fact that his matches are good enough is so helpful to the Pat McAfee presentation, and often they're better than good enough. But the point I'm trying to make is is that because they always whatever your expectations are, they deliver slash over deliver. And then it just enhances the promos that follow because he's not talking up some sort of thing that's going to be a total sham or he's not trying to make up for the fact that the match won't deliver on the night. He's kind of delivered over and over again, like in backing up his words, mm. even in defeat against Adam Cole you know, and, and you know, in war games. Like the results don't really matter. You get this big-time performance for Pat McAfee. So when he speaks big-time, you know that he backs it up. Yeah. So it doesn't feel cocky. It doesn't scan as... Um, grandiose or self-aggrandizing or anything like that. It just speaks to a guy that feels, in terms of star power, on another level to the most of his colleagues. Mm-hmm. When he banters off Corbin with lines like that, it shouldn't really work. This idea that you're allergic to greatness, I'm going to bring out a real star. Like That's the sort of stuff that we're often critical of because it's kind of heaping dirt on Corbin. And well, why should we... If you beat a guy that you've heaped dirt on, why does it matter that you've beaten him? But it's all underpinned by the fact that McAfee's not a regular. Mm. So none of this should really work by the rules. But his... Obvious charisma and his ability to do this and his, what appears at least to be genuine enthusiasm, which a lot of WWE guys don't have, it's kind of infectious. Mm. I get a little bit, through Pat McAfee, I understand a little bit of what people see in Shane McMahon. Because... Yeah, I get where you're coming from. He is another guy that will throw himself into things and we've said, well, look, yeah, but you're not on the or road. Or off of things. Or off of things. You're not on the road... X number of days, you're not taking the bumps and the bruises, you're not absorbing the real pain of what it is to be a wrestler, you're just kind of the money guy that can come in and have some fun with it. Um, and yet McAfee has kind of managed to find a way to spin that into being a bit of a, a baby face. Yeah. It's, it's legitimately quite impressive. And McAfee Corbin, as with McAfee Theory, this is not a knock on Corbin, but kind of from nowhere has become one of the things on the SummerSlam card I'm most looking forward to. There's a tiny bit of fear with it, with it for me. And that was because when he came out, he came out to like the SmackDown theme, and I was like, yeah. "That is one music song, music theme for a wrestler you can never change." Oh yeah, now just it's... pay the money, whatever it costs. He can probably pay for it himself for Seven Nation Army. I need to go back to the Cole match in particular and watch what he was given as his music for that. I can't remember what it was, no. and I need to go back and see what NXT chose because it definitely wasn't Seven Nation. It was Army. the most over thing on Night Two of WrestleMania. Well, yeah, I mean, but I mean, yeah, it's not well, apart from obviously Tribal Chief acknowledge him with the wins or Vincent Mann not taking a stunner. Liv Morgan came out, as I said, though, and she was in action against Natalia because of the weird thing that happened. How much of this did show. you catch? I'd sort of half seen something about Natalia, you know, one, two, uh, on a house show, getting pinned, and then immediately sitting up and Austin Aries in it, basically. Full on, yeah. She took the finisher, so it wasn't like she wasn't cooperating, but the second she didn't have to, she didn't. And it remains a mystery as to what it was, whether or not it only existed to build heat to this match. And and if it did, it didn't work. (laughs) Yes. Um, So early on, uh, Morgan hits Natalia with a big drop kick. That's a nice series of near falls. Uh, Natalia fights out of it, goes for a sharpshooter on the apron, which I believe is something she did to Ronda Rousey Mm -hmm. at Money in the Bank. Um, Morgan escapes, goes for oblivion. Natalia blocks it and then slingshots her into the ring post to take us to a break. When we come back, Natalia's... Got Morgan in a submission, but Morgan breaks free. Another missile drop kick of hers. Uh, Kip up. She runs wild. 
Uh, eventually, Natalia gets her with a released German suplex for a nice two count. They're fighting on the top rope. Liv Morgan slips out. Um, Natalia manages to catch her in a nice sit-out powerbomb for a, for a near, near fall. Puts her in the ankle lock. Morgan uh, manages to roll forward. That sends Natalia into the uh, into the turnbuckle. She gets hit with a recoil, gets hit with the oblivion. One, two, three. Liv Morgan defeats Natalia. And then, hey, Kayla! Uh, turns heel, apparently, immediately <laughs> afterwards. And says, well, I, was not, I am not impressed by your performance. <laughs> uh, no, she said, that was good. Ronda was Ronda better last week. Um, and the fans weren't happy. I thought, like, oh, I felt a bit sorry for Kayla that she's been put in this awkward yeah. situation. Uh, but basically, it was just to set up Liv Morgan saying she's the underdog, but she's going to go in there and defend her title at SummerSlam against Ronda Rousey. Yeah, I, I, I think this was a pretty profound failure because it was well-worked but completely heatless. And them go. I understand completely, by the way, why they're going underdog with Liv Morgan, um, because one-on-one with Ronda Rousey, fair fight. Yeah. That's exactly how they should build that. You know, that you're supposed to... If she beats uh, Ronda Rousey at SummerSlam, then she survived the fight of her life to do it, mm-hmm. right? And it's okay for her to... Even as champion, it's okay for her to be overmatched when you're in there with somebody like Ronda Rousey. That's one of the benefits of having a Ronda Rousey, because you've basically got an inbuilt Undertaker streak in a pro wrestler. She comes in and she can, can be that dominant and it can be that believable. Mm-hmm. Not least the fact that because she's had an actual dominant run within wrestling. So it's not just the MMA background you're building off. It's the wrestling one. Liv Morgan is new to the top table. So she can. you want her to be confident. You want her to pick up wins and justify her place. But Ronda Rousey is somebody that against that. It's not quite as important. But this was um, not, a, not a strong enough... It was neither a strong enough win to make Liv Morgan over in the body of the match, nor was it enough of a beating mm. to make this strange post-match interaction with Kayla feel real. Yeah, like, the whole thing felt very inauthentic at either end, and I just don't think it was... I think to get what they wanted out of this, yes, obviously she's got to look like she has a harder time with Natalia than Ronda Rousey, but don't have Kayla be so on the nose with it, for mm. one thing. Like, let it linger a little bit. Let the question be asked by the audience rather than it being dictated to mm-hmm. by them. And let Liv look like having that belt has emboldened it rather than suddenly become an albatross because I think that's what they were veering too close to here. And I think you could feel it from the fans. They want to be... It's it's especially evident in WWE because so rarely do they, re- like, receive somebody as a star or as somebody that... like. And I say they, like, we've been in... Like, I consider myself part of this fan base fundamentally, and we've been in crowds this year alone where you can just feel the difference when fans want to rally behind a star yeah. because it doesn't happen that often. There's not many baby faces that fans almost universally get behind, and that you could feel that with Liv Morgan in and around Money in the Bank, and then after the fact, and this was the first episode since Money in the Bank where it wasn't quite there, and I think yeah. the match kind of took them out of it a little bit. Yeah, and there was an element in the match, I wasn't sure if it was deliberate or not, where they just weren't quite on the same page, and I wasn't sure if that was meant to be a bit like, ooh, are they shooting a little I bit? think so. I think that was by design. I took that as by design yeah. rather than... Uh, Megan Morant's backstage with Theory, um, who admits that he's got a lot of enemies, including Bobby Lashley and Dolph Ziggler, which I'd completely forgotten about yeah. until... You reminded me there. In comes Paul Heyman and just the whole you know that not that I know that you know that I know gimmick. Um, he uh, he said, look, I'm responsible for one of the biggest breaks in your career. Um, but how about you don't, please don't cash in at SummerSlam. Um, think of, you know, think of what we could do together. You know, I can speak to, to Roman and we can get a proper title match scheduled. We can make loads of money. We can do it on a big show, et cetera, et cetera. Just, just don't cash in. I'll handle everything. And theory went, thanks, but I'll be cashing it in at SummerSlam. I don't yeah. think he will, but still. Yeah. I mean, this is... I'm still very much... 
you know, Austin Theory, or Theory comes on the screen, and I've still got that, shut up, you boring bitch, yeah. whenever he kind of speaks. I, I don't really buy, like, buy or believe any of it. But I thought this was a um, marginally better way of building the cash in than him doing laps around the ring with a grin on his face, which is what we had, which is what we'd had up to that, that and point. And I like that as well last week. He, uh, yeah. he's, I, like, I'm not suggesting that that's the best way to present him, but I was like, that's the sort of arsehole that he is. I guess like no selling the monsters makes it more believable that he would cash in. So I suppose yeah. in terms of what they're trying idiot. to sell. That's still so in the story. He is also a Burke, yeah. Um, right, next up. <laughs> uh, the Viking Raiders. The come vicious out. Viking Raiders. Wait a second. Do my eyes deceive me? <laughs> it wasn't the, the Viking Raiders. It was the new raid. Yes, it was. I really like that. No, you didn't. Let me explain, because right. I, I always say this. As I'm watching the show... I'm a consummate pro, mm-hmm. right? Uh, well, aside from skipping entrances and everything, I can't be <laughs> right? And I'm always thinking of boom, 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 boom. What's the big, big stories? Big, big bullet points of mm. this. And I'm, my big one is, what's the headline? What's the big headline? Obviously, obvious one from this show. Yeah. But then I also need my my like final bullet point uh-huh. question mark exclamation mark, and I was like. He's Liv Morgan, an underdog. It's kind of crap. Uh, Pat McAfee and Bumass Corbin. uh, New raid. Boom. They completed it. (laughs) Yes. So they came out and I thought, oh, you poor bastards. Especially, especially Kofi. I was like, you you don't have to do this anymore, mate. You've been a world champion. They come out. They're taking the piss. Force of New Day got this over Mm -hmm. because it was, was really bad. But... They get the whole recap of, of what happened with the Viking Raiders previously with Jinder and with Shanky and the New Day coming out going, we're going to kick your ass and then just getting their ass handed to them as well. Yeah. Um, they take the piss out of the Raiders. Xavier Woods can't do a, I don't know, Viking accent. He just sort of sounded like a pirate. <laughs> said that they'd been watching, they'd been playing loads of God of War or whatever it bloody was. No, Assassin's Creed and, uh, and I don't know. Yeah. I don't have any time. Um, Your, younger listeners feel free to drop it in the like replies to the tweet when the podcast goes out of what gaming references we got wrong here. Yeah, because like we'll own that we're kind of old men and like very literally too old for this. Uh, yeah, I was playing Tetris ninety nine. It's the latest recommendation I've got for you on the Switch. I've got Hold a very on. simple flowchart. It says, "Is this Rocket League?" If no, <laughs> don't care. Just uh, oh yeah, you, um, my wife's gotten into Fall Guys on the Switch. She played Fall Guys. Yes. This was a big thing of, uh, the big summer hit of 2019. I going to say she's it? really got into it. Yeah, it's only just dropped on the Switch. Uh, we are not a, well, we are a PlayStation household technically, but I don't think it's plugged in. Um, <laughs> it's, it's, I just, it's, it's my PS3. I just keep it because it's got the entire screen wipe archive in there. There you go. Like, it's, I, it's hard to find on television anywhere yeah. else. If I delay this long enough, are we not going to have the time to review the rest of this absolutely god-awful segment? The anyway, vis- I quite like Fall Guys because, like, I like the challenge of it, but I quite like dying too. <laughs> because they they bump like motherfuckers. Like they just say, there are a lot of yeah. very small Derby Allens, and I like watching them get, especially when it's like a fan obstacle. And it's like, sort of whoosh, whoosh, whoosh. I'll time it to get hit by one and like see how high I can see the propeller <laughs> into the air. I like the way they bump. And like some of them can flip the bird as they fall into the death. Of the <laughs> it's like Craig from South Park. Did you just flip me off? Like the, <laughs> like the little middle thing comes out and they, I like fall guys. Yeah. Vicious Viking Raiders come out. Yeah. Uh, and, and, I love Xavier Woods so much, man. Only he can make me pop by going, Imposters! <laughs> um, and uh, they, uh, they, there's a bit of alliteration from Kof. 
And there's the rate of Archimedes we're gonna break your bones. It gave me flashbacks to the Everything's alliterative. Everything. What was it? What was the, the stable with uh the uh Bludgeon Brothers? The Bludgeon Brothers, Harper it, and it, Rowan it with big me, hammers. Yeah, when they were just like, We're gonna crush you bones. I was like, We're well, not. You're gonna <laughs> try and win a wrestling yeah. match. But anyway, uh Xavier Woods sang U G L Y, you ain't got no alibi, you ugly. Got him. Google what time when did that? Daphne and Celeste. Oh, all right, Daphne and Celeste, right, let's yes, yeah, this again. I reckon that would have been, uh, I'll go 2000. Bang on. Oh, that must have been the year they played Leeds Reading and got bottles of piss thrown at them. Because uh, Leeds Reading, Leeds and Reading of all people. It's not like, I used to go to Leeds quite a lot when I was younger. It's not the uh, home of discerning music fans. No. Like I liked, I, I enjoyed a new metal lineup. I enjoyed the odd indie days. Nothing wrong with Daphne and Celeste. They were just doing what they were told. Straight out the gate, by the way. Ooh, stick you. Your mama too. And your daddy. And then UGLY. Yeah. I mean, just retire at that point. Yeah, two bangers in a row. Did they have a third sync? They did, didn't they? And I can't they remember. did. I, I don't remember this. What, do, what was the title called? I'll see if I've got it kicking around in the Rolodex. School's Out. Oh, that was the cover. I was going to say. It was, well, uh, figured. Alice Cooper, is it? School's Out for Summer? Yeah. <laughs> Released at the end of August. Good idea, that. Mm. <laughs> but anyway, I like the fact that they had, well, first of all, they had this album, and then they released another album 18 years later. Yeah, they got, they got the band back together. If you go on YouTube and type in Daphne and Celeste full live, I watched a lot of live sets in uh, lockdown. It was a difficult time. Um, you can see them actually back together. Hey, oh, aight. Besides its three singles, tracks on the album include Peekaboo, a song describing a party for otherworldly creatures. Yep. The girls crash and find a ghost, a boogeyman, a wolfman, an alien, and a zombie, and the bride of Frankenstein. So NXT 2.0, basically. <laughs> um, I'm not going to read some more of this because it's in dicey territory. But also, do you want to know, can you remember what the name of the album was? Because it's very, it's very me. I, when you say it, I'll know it, but I can't know. Daphne and Celeste. We didn't say that. <laughs> I like to have, I wouldn't, you know what, I'm not, right? When it comes to music, I'm not one of those people that is, uh, I like a bit of everything, me, because mm. I do not like those people because they don't like a bit of everything. It's okay to have genre taste, even if you don't know what they are. Yeah. Like, are you into your freeform jazz? Are you, are you into your opera? Are you? No, and that's all right. Like, so I'm not one of those people that likes a bit of everything. Yeah. But I do um, have a, a greater appreciation for pop than I think is, like, I don't think enough people appreciate pop. And I, I especially hate the qualifier good for pop. And I don't like when sort of, like, pitchfork losers Ugh. and, like, metal purists, like, that's a good pop song, that. We've discussed it in the offset length. Pet hate, rock and ska covers of good pop songs. Go to a rocker indie night and somebody's, like, there's a, a, a band that have done uh, Kelly Clarkson since you've been gone cover. I forget the band in question, but you'll know what mm. I'm talking about. Just play the Kelly Clarkson song. What you're admitting is that song absolutely rules. <laughs> yeah. And it didn't need redoing, but, like, because there's a bloke singing it or because there's guitars in it, it's better than the original. It's not. Mm. Like, uh, Take On Me by Real Big Fish, is I, it? Yeah, I, I was going to say that's my cat. That, the only is that the, your the exception tonight? that proves the rule. I, I just, I, like, well, I just play Aha. Like, they're Scar fans. That's a bang. I'm sorry. I, I love it. I can't bear it. Like, never mind. Like, I don't need Ah, Scar. I need Aha. It's because it's associated with one of the greatest films of all time, of course. Which one? Basketball. Oh, yeah, yeah, basketball. It's an absolute pretty good. cracker of a film. It's basketball. Is, I always forget in the Matt and Trey ones. Is it basketball within that scene in the shower where it's comedically long? Like, Vince McMahon wanted Kane to have one size and it's like yeah. slapping across the bottom of the leg. Yes. They're getting interviewed in the changing rooms, yeah. yeah. And you want basketball to be real. Yeah. It's the kind of sport that has been conjured up by a film and you think that could 
that could work. Yeah. A version of it. Not now. Like, not all of it, but a version <laughs> of it could definitely work. Anyway, um, so the Viking radius, go to respond to being called. Honey to the Bee by Billy Piper. Billy Piper, yes, a banger. Like, the, the, never mind a banger, the whole album rules. Yeah. Like, it's a really good album. Any, anything by Girls Aloud. We are this close to, and uh, like RIP Sarah Harden as well, but we're this close to getting one of my dream gigs, which is Girls Aloud in smaller venues rather than the arenas for yeah. kids. Because Sugar Babes are doing it. They're doing the City Hall. Tickets are a bit too pricey for my like. I've got two kids, mate. I want to say overload as much as anybody, but, you know, <laughs> round, round, we're talking 30 quid and we're good. Yeah. Uh, but they're doing it, so I'm thinking, give or take a few more years, yeah. and uh, I think they'll, like, get, they'll do the academy-sized venues and they'll do a bit of swearing. Mm. I was there, um, Girls Aloud, just after they'd formed and would, like, it wasn't so hot initially. They were the pop idol winners. It was more of a one true voice. Uh, I follow my heart. Right up the stairs. Okay, it wasn't yeah. as good as sound. You seem like Shakespeare, lads. It's not gonna. You're not gonna happen. This Shakespeare's way with words. I would write a sonnet. Put your name upon it. Uh, they weren't as good as girls. <laughs> it out. was an absolute shellacking. I oh, think. it was, was a hammering. And rightfully, the sound of the underground is unbelievable. Yeah. Anyway, girls allowed to play in my student union when I worked there, and I took them a tray of vodka and Red Bulls. That's my little claim to fame. Hey, I could not make eye contact, and I was shaking. <laughs> they were, they were too beautiful. My, I, my, I, I went into shutdown. My body could Fantastic. not cope. I was just like, we didn't have a green room. We had like just the upstairs room of the upstairs bar that had to be closed mm. off. So they had a place to like, I don't know, sit and chill before the gig. And I was just shaking. Can everything. I surprise you? Kimberly was most attractive for me. Kimberly. Um, a thing for Kimberly back in the day. Ah. Got to interview them and I couldn't pay to make any contact with her either. Let's, let's do the interview now. Hiya, Adam. <laughs> I'm Kimberly from Girls Aloud. I love, I, and I just, I say that with affection because I absolutely love Girls Aloud. Nicola Roberts uh, had a solo song out that I think is like one of the underrated pop bangers of the decade. What was it's the, called Beat of My Drum. Google it. What was the uh, the Irish girl called? Uh, Nadine. Nadine. Her saying Kai's is one Kais. of my favourite things in the world. <laughs> she was, you know, she nearly wasn't in Girls Aloud. Yeah, she lied about her age. She was on like Irish pop stars and then she lied about her age and then they did the old, uh, you know, when, when you were younger and you had, you would like memorise your date of birth before going out or the cinema or whatever. It was like, and she did it and she got it wrong and she's like, uh, 85. And then after the fact, <laughs> I, I mean, 87. Yeah. Oh God. <laughs> <laughs> Just do the old, it's easy, you just do the Hot Fuzz one. When's your birthday? August the 8th. What year? Every year. <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, the New Day of Viking Raider segment was the pits. Well, up until no. they laid the trap. The Viking Raiders come down to Reeks and Boons, or whatever it is, and Woods goes, and in, in comes the cavalry. <laughs> Jinder Mahal and Shanky, and they beat the crap out of the Viking Raiders. And then uh, Shanky had a dance. And you know what? I was doing a bit of a gimmick of like, oh, this is good. They're gonna, there's going to come a moment when Jinder Mahal's going to throw some shapes, and I'm going to absolutely pop my little tits off. I mean, they're not, not building to it. So I will give you that. I will give this segment nothing. Like, no quarter given, none asked, whatever the phrase is. Mm. Awful. Just Awful. Like you say, that you think that like, the New Day were permitted to advance beyond this and this sort of low-run comedy would be given to others. Yeah. But because they can, they're forced to do. Exactly, and I wish they yeah. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. 
J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive in June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Uh, let's move on because it's time for uh, to interview Gunther and Ludwig Kaiser backstage off the back of uh, Ludwig's loss to Shinsuke Nakamura the previous week. And uh, yeah, Gunther's still not happy with him, basically. Uh, there's going to be a rematch between uh, Ludwig and uh, Shinsuke Nakamura next week. And Gunther felt the need to reiterate his uh, punishment by chopping him as hard as he can. Um, and as a man who might have had a few too many lemonades on Saturday night, <laughs> and because my friend was dressed as Macho Man Randy Savage yeah. and I was wearing my Sting shirt, someone came up to me, by the way, and went, are you Adam from what culture? I went, what gave it away? <laughs> I, uh, I... We took it in turns to chop each other because yeah. we're all a bunch of stupid lads and chops for the pops. Well, you can see what my chest looks oh like. Oh my god! Yeah, I bruised like a peach, right? And uh, yeah, yeah like William Regal. And that was this was this was this was not the uh, quite the same power or force or precision that we see from from uh, Lud- uh, from Gunther's chops. But I can feel your pain, Ludwig. <laughs> I, d- I don't love this. Like I don't, I know that the, they they probably think it's super cool and Gunther's super hard. It's getting the chop over. It is getting, yeah. Actually, yeah. All right, I'll give it a pass for that reason and that reason alone, and because it's you and because you've just shown me your chop mark. I just it feels like it's veering towards can they coexist this for me? Like I, Ludwig Kaiser's going to be like like Michael in Alan Partridge. Stop telling me what to do. <laughs> All right, that's where this ends up. And he chops back, and people are like, oh, we want to see Ludwig Kaiser. They've only been together like six weeks, and Gunther's won the Intercontinental title. I'd say things are pretty rosy. Yeah. I don't know. Just. I do like the idea that I remember going, I'm not doing a stupid, stupid open challenge. It's an idiotic thing to do. <laughs> and then he was like, right, if you'd have just beaten him, then I wonder if you even had to dealt with this former yeah. champ. It's a good way to set up the match at SummerSlam, I reckon. And they, they've basically just gone, remember the Bray Wyatt? Yeah, you can, uh, Sister Abigail, and me, do it again. With chops, <laughs> he just has to stand there and take it. Basically, yeah. Uh, we get a video recap of uh, Lacey Evans's heel turn uh, th- this time um, mm. from from the previous week, and then it's Aaliyah versus Lacey Evans. 
uh, and Lacey Evans does the gimmick. It doesn't work this for me because I really like the lift, 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 right, lift. <laughs> so it pipe up when she's like, do it again. I'm like, yeah, do it again. <laughs> she's got one of the few good themes that they've come out with recently. Um, mm. the, the audience are not happy with her, obviously. Um, she gets on the mic. She says, I'm better than each and every one of you. Uh, as McAfee pointed out, she literally said the words, I served my country, which is an incredible thing to do, obviously, mm-hmm. but particularly in America, yep. when you say something like that, it automatically commands respect. I've never seen someone say, I served my country, and then everyone goes, you suck, like that, <laughs> which was just surreal. Uh, she hates the fans. She's disgusted with them. They're all slobs and, you know, blah, blah, blah. Um, she's an American hero. She gets the what treatment, which always makes me root for the heel a little bit more because <laughs> I hate it. Um, she said, I said, oh, do you know what? I feel terrible, actually. She suddenly just changed up and went, I feel bad, actually. I'm going to apologize. Then she went, no, you're not going to have that. Well, you can all go to hell. And then she just left and we didn't get the match. I mean, I suppose the end of it is marginally better than apologize for you being so stupid in yeah. your face. <laughs> like that. <laughs> oh, this was so terrible. They've got their... I just, I, my big concern here is like, what is Ryan Satin going to think? Right. This is another match he's not going to get to see. <laughs> <laughs> That troops thing as well. Did you notice the obviously she had the uh, red, white, and blue tassels on again? Now she had like an American hair clipping. She's playing up to that this idea that like I am everything you people want me to be, and yet you be whatever. This is rote nonsense. Like, like gone off edge, have you? <laughs> Writers, so you're just giving it giving it to her instead. It's like she's just a local sports team away from doing their generic basic heel thing. I didn't like the original idea behind turning the heel off the back of those promos. No. But this is how WWE get you because they make you defend the thing that six weeks ago was indefensible. But that was sort of tied to the promos. It was like, please don't make these promos end with her being a heel and wanting respect. Like, this isn't even that. She's just coming out and being like, you fans can stick it. There's no nothing tied to anything else. I hate you this week. Why? Well, I don't know, but I'll think of something eventually. <laughs> Awful. Just terrible. Like, suspension? Lose a share of the purse? Well, just shrugs and walks off. What's going to happen next week? She'll get another match with Leah. So it's probably worth what? I'll just do it every week. Like, if you drew McIntyre, and it was like a few weeks ago, it's like, I'll call my short Roman. I want you at Clash at the Castle. Well, what are you going to do to get there? No, I'll, <laughs> I'll see you there. Like, he's just going to like get him. I'll probably get to Wales early. Have a few weeks. Soak up the culture. Acclimatise myself to the weather. <laughs> like, the, like, they were sort of, you know how FIFA have sold the World Cup to Qatar and the players have got to go there and like yeah, spend yeah. a couple of weeks. Like All the seasons have to stop in order for the players to get a couple of weeks used to the weather because the heat's going to be insane. Not on a UK in August. Insane, am I right? Oh. <laughs> a bit of weather humour for you there. Um, <laughs> but like, it's going to be really hot over there. Like Just let Drew do it. And then like, what do you mean? You've got commitments. Shrug. Who cares? <laughs> like, Lazy Evans just walked out two weeks on the spin. Apparently that's fine. That is just fine. Uh and they still book the women's division better than AEW. It's amazing. Oh, yeah. uh, right, yeah. next up, it's it was terrible. Drew McIntyre versus someone from the Brawling Brutes. It was yeah. meant to be, obviously, the previous week, he did the whole hilarious joke about COVID. Um, this week, it was like, right, now, start again from now. This is the real quiz. Yeah. It's going to be Drew versus Sheamus, winner. And I was like, well, it's not the main event, so it's not going <laughs> to happen. And, of course, they come out, and poor Samantha Irvin, not her fault, because it's clearly just like someone's bollocks something up and they've changed mm. something. Not so they come out and we're like, the commentator's literally like rubbing their hands together. Right, we're going to get it. Drew Sheamus, winner faces the world champion, whoever that might be at Clash at the Castle. Samantha Roman goes, please welcome Drew McIntyre's opponent, 
Rich bloody Holland. <laughs> and they're like, what's going on here? And then Butch, scrappy do that he is, mm-hmm. just jumped out the ring or ran around the ringside, grabbed the ring bell and rang it. And then the match just started. Uh, Drew dominated, obviously, because of course he did. Uh, he even hit <laughs> Sheamus's... Think about, like, you know, if he'd run, instead of ringing the bell, like he just runs off with a hammer like in his mouth like a, hey, like a dog. Come here, you. Yeah. They're trying to, like, somebody is just trying to turn SmackDown over because they don't want to watch it anymore. But the bloody dog's got the remote. It's Butch. Butch, you've got to run interference. Oh, now he can smell another dog. <laughs> now he's got to mark his territory again. Dog keeps doing it and putting NXT UK on one room up to his friends. It's, it's one of these days. Oh, my God. Right. Uh, it's sort of spoiling the preview, but I'm sure we'll come up with more okay. cracking content for Friday. I think... Ridge Holland's going to get kicked out of ringside mm-hmm. when they inevitably do Sheamus versus Drew. Yeah. But Sheamus will be like, don't worry, I've got a, uh, I've got a backup plan in Butch. Mm-hmm. And I think Drew's going to pull out a tennis ball and do the gimmick where you pretend to throw it and then just put it behind your back. And Butch will just leave. <laughs> we just won't see him for the rest of the show. On He ends up like, obviously because he's stalls on the run, he ends up on Raw. Mm. You've got like Elrod and Ezekiel are there. And then, where's our, where's our brother? And then you get the big strum. Vroom. Who wants to walk with Elias? <laughs> Butch hears that and he's just good. Absolutely. Said, what? 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 Said, what? Got the lead in his mouth, brings it up to Elias. So yeah, uh, he hit a load of Seamus' offense to piss yeah. him off, basically. Cole was like trying to start a scrap as well with Seamus. Apparently Seamus swung it in with the shillelagh at one point. <laughs> uh, and uh, yeah, Drew hit beats of the Bodron. Uh, and uh, Cole was like, you're doing it better than you do it, Seamus, you prick. Um, which is quite entertaining. That all distracted Drew, though, and uh, Holland pushed him into the ring post. He was in control, but finally uh, McIntyre breaks free, runs wild, sets up for the Claymore. Butch tries to get involved, uh, and McIntyre doesn't care uh, and hits white noise while staring at Sheamus. And again, Cole's like, better than yours. Um, and then he hit uh, the Claymore for the win, but at least he didn't cut the ropes and make the ring explode this week. Oh, with his bendy sword. The... Bare-faced cheek of them to try and make Drew McIntyre and Sheamus Drew's last hurdle to Roman. It's pathetic, this man. It's just... It, never mind Sheamus. It's bloody shameless. <laughs> what it is, well, boy. Like, this dead issue that just... You've seen these men wrestle and wrestle and wrestle, and I know that they've got this chemistry together, and it tends to be, no matter how bored you are of the idea, then you get five physical minutes, and you're like, all right, yeah, fair enough, they batter each other. Like, I'm not oblivious to that, and I can still feel feelings when they hit each other really hard, but just this idea that WWE can abuse their complete lack of a pecking order to such a degree that these two men can fight for placement in Money in the Bank. They can jockey for position on the SmackDown card. Sheamus can try and work his way into the WrestleMania event a year ago, fighting Drew in the Thunderdome for the bail, and for not for the bail, just for fighting. And now it's like, well, what's Drew's big last program on the run-up to Roman? Sheamus again? Same as it is. Uh, it, and how, how are we going to, what, they fought so much. What can possibly be left of the Drew Sheamus thing? Is there anything more we can mine? Puts his friends in the way first. Fine, yeah, got a billion dollars. Thank you. Uh, off to the cash point. I just, I just hate that this would be so lazy and low energy. On the preview, I think me and you had talked about this previously, and me and Sidge were talking a bit more about the, the referee payoff. Luckily, WWE got there with something none of us saw coming and was better than anything we could have predicted. Yeah, yeah, fair play. Disclaimer. But I think me and you would pitch the idea of the either dual referees or referee and enforcer. So Sammy is the ref, dual is the enforcer, Drew is the informer, or two referees yeah. gimmick. Yeah. One's on the street, prophesied one of the Usos. 
That would have made storyline sense because obviously Drew effing with the bloodline is at least an avenue into mm-hmm. he's just fighting his mate again. <laughs> like he's fighting his mate who's got absolutely no ranking and pedigree on this show, but by beating him at SummerSlam, it's going to be like, well, that's everybody done with. <laughs> like that's the whole roster defeat. It was like what the guy beat two years ago. Really need, really needed to like get that one last W on Sheamus. Now I get my title shot. I mean, it could be worse. Remember what he was doing on the lead up to SummerSlam last year. So yeah, at least Jinder's in a better spot than he was then. <laughs> but I would, I would argue that Jinder is further up the card with Dancing Shanky than he was being like the jobber for Drew last yeah. year. Yeah, yeah. Um, I've messed up here because I've apparently written my notes from WrestleMania in the future because it was Theory and Madcap Moss next. <laughs> Beforehand, right. uh, they ran through. Oh, I loved it. Brock Lesnar chucking Otis around on Raw. And uh, Madcap Moss got interviewed saying he was going to flatten uh, Theory like a pancake. Heyman comes in, same gimmick as before. I know that you know that. Please help me as much as you can. Uh, uh, we all know that Theory cashing in at SummerSlam would be bad for business. I saw what you did to Happy Corbin a few weeks back. And he said, if you do that to Theory to make sure he can't do out at SummerSlam... Maybe we can get you a little little title shot with Roman Reigns or something. And uh, Moss just sort of went, sound like you're a little bit concerned about Theory cashing on the SummerSlam. And his music hit and he went out to to make his entrance. Uh, anything you want to say about this? No, not a thing. Not Good, a thing. because I can move rapidly on to Maximum Male Models, the stars of the show, guys. <laughs> we got a video package. It was the highlight of the entire show up until the main event bit. Um, and next week, not only... Hang on. This this merits of the definite Renee. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. 2022 Beachwear Collection next yep. week, featuring Maxine Dupree. We <laughs> oui, we. Oui. I'm so excited. Yeah. Did you see the um? Which, by the way, uh, per Andy Murray, and this makes a lot of logical sense as well. Uh, NXT UK's Ginny. Sorry, let me rephrase that. Wrestling's Ginny. <laughs> yes. Apparently, has worked for this mythical promotion NXT UK, but real life partner of uh, Gunther. Um, fairly prodigious British woman star mm-hmm. and could well be dropping in on SmackDown. But we'll see. I guess it's going to be. I hope so. In the meantime, um, when you were off last week, because we talked about this a little bit in the office and on other podcasts, did you see that Max Dupree made real the hunt for a male yes. model? And did you see the thread that he was starting I to saw. And how amazing it was that he was bantering these people off. Did you see the one, the mess- my favourite, I've already mentioned this on a pod, Dio Derek. Yes. Where he just said, uh, Dio Derek. What kind of a name is Dio Derek? <laughs> Can't it be something more simple like Marseille Mansoir. Like LA Knight, as like we always said. He's in incredible shape as well. He's though. looking great and he's feeling himself. Like he's starting to do an impersonation of a massive star. And by that I don't mean the rock and stone called Steve Austin. <laughs> I'm starting to really believe that like he's gonna I'm not saying that this was chicken, but he's making even more than chicken salad out of this so yeah. far. It's good stuff. And there's there's scope for, for him to be such a brilliant like like, fa- uh, uh, heels cheating mm. is a staple of wrestling. Yeah. But, it, it, you know, after a while, it's like, oh, you know, you uh, grab the tights or you hold onto the ropes or whatever. Fashion-based heel cheating... Yes, please. ...makes me salivate. Oh, like, uh, Rick Martel spraying arrogance in the eyes of exactly. Jake the Snake. The photographer's camera flash going off in Hulk Hogan's face. These are things from 1990 and 1993, respectively. You can absolutely steal them again. And the idea that he's got a camera that's got a flash so bright that it blinds a baby face and allows Mace on Mansoir to get the win. Yes, please. Yeah. And I'm just, I'm just so excited to hear him pronounce more names. Oh, I love it. I'm going to submit and put my application, I think, this week. I think you should. I'm thinking it's the one where I've got my arse out. 
Um, and I got horrifically sunburned in Dominican Republic. Well, oh, I was going to say, yeah, it's an old one, isn't it? Can we Photoshop your glasses onto your sunburned ass? <laughs> Put that through. You see, like you look like um, like that family from that South Park episode. Yes. Well, every time they talk, they make like a noise. Uh, so yes, it was theory versus a mad cat moss. It went twelve minutes. Went to a DQ. Oh, um, God. But it was uh, the bit where they both posed. I thought, yep, they are the future of WWE. To be perfectly honest, as Michael Cole said, theory uh, yeah. got control with a shoulder tackle. Um, credit to Mad Cat Moss. At one point, theory goes for a leapfrog, and Moss catches him. But he's a little bit off balance, but because he's so bloody jacked, he's mm. just like, nope, I'm not falling over. <laughs> Lesser men would fall here. He managed to, to regain his balance, hits a fall away slam, and. I don't know why, because I've seen a million, I'm going to run at you, you're going to move out of the way, and I'm going to run into the steps. But I genuinely did pop the theory, leapfrogging out of the way, and Moss just clattering into the steel steps to take us to a break. He did commit, yeah, he did commit to that. Theory's got that great rolling drop kick, which is a bit like our boy over in uh, in NXT 2.0, where he sets it all up. Um, But Moss fights back, shoulder tackle, stiff clothesline, another shoulder tackle in the corner. Spinebuster gets Moss a uh, two-count. Theory, he's trying to get out of it, and he just stamps on it. They said he stamped on his leg. I'm fairly certain he stamped on Moss's toes to get <laughs> out of it, which is a brilliant little sneaky git way of getting out of it. Hit a back suplex. That got a two count. Eventually, they go to the outside. Theory's desperate to try and get away from him. Moss goes after him. Theory just turns around and clocks him with the briefcase. Uh, and we'll talk about Sammy Zane in a second. Oh, I mean, you know, this wasn't, this wasn't bad in the sense that a lot of... Uh, NXT 2.0 matches are bad, by which I mean for prospects as these still currently are. This was far like leaps and bounds above the developmental level. Yes, and and as it should be, they've been at this for years now. But neither was it good. You know, like you mentioned earlier on about the you know WrestleMania main event of the future. That's not being flippant. You know, there's a, there's a lot here to suggest that. These are, if not these two specifically, this is the exact type of thing that we can expect from WrestleMania main events in years to come. Like, a One Republic going to do the soundtrack again? I had one of the best nights of my life at WrestleMania 35, but I got my mind made up. I don't want to go. Like, I just do not want to watch this. It's just so boring. Wrestling has moved on, and I know WWE just has TV time to fill mm. and commitments to honour, but that's not how I have to engage with a wrestling show. Like, I don't have to sit there arms folded and be like, yes, this is deathly dull work, but well done, WWE, for honouring your television commitments. I'm a fan. You know, I'm a customer, but I'm a fan. And I'm an analyst, but I'm a fan. And my analysis is, do something so that as a fan, I can enjoy this. Just dragging their ass, rubbish. And I love Madcap Moss in these bursts that he's shown. You know, I, I, I think I was higher on Madcap Moss and Baron Corbin stuff than a lot of people. Yeah. I was feeling nothing here. It's another miss of a week for theory. Yeah, this was. They every now and then they have these vision of the future matches, and it well it can just go either way, can't it? <laughs> you know, if you watch if you watch NXT from 2015, and it's Sasha versus Bailey, or it's Bailey versus Becky, or whatever those combinations, you're like, this is a vision of the future. You're like, oh my god, this is so cool. Yeah, you know. This is the polar opposite. This, oh God, ten years of this. Are you, yeah, even kidding me. I'm, I was like, I was sat here willing, frigging knife and Frazier to get a call about <laughs> nowhere. Just like do, boot the balls into their balls, cock and balls or something, just to give me something. <laughs> I don't want to feel anything. Boot into my balls. At least then I'll feel something. Uh, theory gets on the mic afterwards and says, 
Doesn't matter that I lost. Of course you do. Of course you lost. You missed the money in the bank. Um, what? Doesn't matter they lost. Lacey Evans doesn't matter that she walked out. Why did they bother on the 12 minutes for him? Why didn't he rest up ahead of SummerSlam? Good point. Uh, anyway, he said he's going to be undisputed champion. Sami Zayn comes out. He's got his arm in a sling. Get well soon, Sami. Uh, and he says, I'm an honorary use. You're insulting the bloodline by <laughs> inferring that you'll win the title. Uh, Apologise. And I did like the bit where there he's like... I won't apologise to you. Who's a bloody hell do you think you are? She's wearing a bloody T-shirt. They don't even like you, <laughs> right? And uh, Theory suddenly he thinks he's a cocky bastard. And like, right, I'm going to teach you a lesson. What are you going to do? You've got your arm in a sling, and you've got no one to back you up. So, of course, babyface Uso's come out to make the save. Yeah. Which had... So this is the thing, right? This is going to be a Jay and Jimmy Uso, are they on the same page story, where they're just going to drop it, and they're not going to add the details. But this sort of encourage... This is... And I'm guilty of this sometimes if it's wrestlers I love. This is where WWE will do a tiny little thing and encourage you to like wrap it around. Like you'll write a 3,000 word thesis on how this is actually an yeah. excellent story. The Usos backing up Sami Zayn for a change allows us to all think and speculate. Has Roman asked for this? Mm. Has he finally acknowledged that Sami can help? Acknowledge that like Sami can smash a few people as well or at least help him smash people by interfering. They don't give you these details. Or is it quite funny, actually, in that next week, Sammy's going to go, boys, thanks so much for watching out for me. And they were like, it was time for our match. We were just coming out. Right. They didn't yeah. get physically involved with no. him, did he? He backed off. I did like the bit where he backed off, was like, oh, I'm not getting involved in this. Madcap Moss was like, I'm still here. Hmm. Beat him up and then gave him the briefcase. Went, get out of here. Just <laughs> shoved him over the barricade. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it was nice. That's a nice bit of sequencing, you know, how they played with that. But I just... I want to like this story more than I think they're yes. allowing us to. Sami Zayn, as this added ingredient, has made the bloodline infinitely more fascinating in the last few weeks. But give me it rather than making me have to imagine some of it exists. Yes. I did like I did like Zayn on commentary for this main event. It was it was Angelo Dawkins versus Jimmy Uso, and the amount of times that he'd be like. Yeah, I mean, I've been chatting to Roman recently, and they're like, when did you chat to Roman? He was like, recently. Yeah. I've chatted to him in, in 2022. That's all you need to know. What's really funny is that's exactly as believable as when Michael Cole's like, yeah, I was uh, talking backstage with Roman Reigns. Were you now? Really? Like, yeah. Yeah, he was telling me that uh, his record is 3-0 and on pay-per-view. Was he, Michael? <laughs> I'm glad you've asked me that, Michael. <laughs> um, so we've seen these two fight a lot. But, um, I just... Anytime, because I'm concerned about where things are going eventually when Montez Ford goes solo. Mm -hmm. So anytime I get to see a bit of a showcase for Dawkins, yeah. I'm kind of happy for him because I think he's very underrated in terms of people go, Street Brothers, that's the one with the lad who, you know, does the mad flips and stuff and, uh, you know, shakes the ropes. Mm. Them. Like, it takes two to tango, it takes two to tag, yeah. it takes two to make a good tag team. And Dawkins is not just, right, I'm going to go in and get beaten up until we can get the hot tag to Montez Ford. And he kind of showcased it again here. Um, he tackled Jimmy over the barricade at one point early on after he had gone for a suicide dive. Um, but when we come back from the break, Jimmy's in control. Dawkins comes back, though, hits Jimmy with the right hand, hits a flying elbow, twisting neck breaker, gets a nice near fall. Jay's try, Jay tries to get involved, but Dawkins knocks him off the apron. And in the midst of all this, there's a collision with Charles Robinson, the referee. He goes down. Dawkins rolls up Jimmy for like a six count. Um and then uh, they realise what's gone on. Um, Andre Dawkins turns around into a super kick from Jimmy. Uh, but again, Charles Robinson hasn't recovered yet. And as Jimmy does the oh, ref, official, get involved sort of thing, he turns around into a sit-out powerbomb from Angelo Dawkins. But he couldn't see it. Well, Charles Robinson couldn't see it. But 
one of the shoulders was not uh, down, as you may have seen on the replay. So the referees are completely crap. And uh, Postman Pierce comes out and goes, well, let's let's talk about the match and then we'll talk about what Postman Pierce yeah, said. Yeah, please. Uh, the match was fine. Um, I like the uh, SmackDown rolls on spot. Because, i tell you what I liked about the barge over the barricade. It wasn't through the barricade, mm. which we get all the time. But it was the panic of like the ring announcer and the timekeeper and everybody in that very small space yeah. suddenly having a giant body flying at them. Like They saw that super convincingly. You would assume that the rest has clued them in. This is going to happen. Brace yourselves. But it just felt real and it felt urgent. And I like the fact that... Why I like that spot in particular was because Dawkins is sort of seen as the more grounded power guy of the two Street Profits. And that's how you illustrate that in a singles yes. match. It's like, well, what threats have I got? What would I bring to a tag that sometimes gets lost to the headline grabber of Montez Ford? And mm-hmm. I, like, I don't know if that's been... If these sort of things are being peppered into the matches to prep people for the split because Dawkins can sort of suggest, well, look, I'm overlooked. Look what mm. I've got and look what you've done. Look what... I was just going to do that. Look what you people don't give me credit for having, you know, but... It's, you can give. You can give. I think they said someone can give in the uh, in the sign of the future match as well. Yeah, point. I think so. me. I think they can booth you uh, off my screens for six more months. But I, let's be realistic about this. As fine as this was, uh, if this was on Raw we'd have hit skip because we're sick of it. Yes. And, uh, like, I, again, much like the kind of same complaint as the live one, even when the work's good, and it was pretty great, Abe, it was heatless. Like, the fan, and I don't blame anyone in the audience for not caring about this. It's not one of them situations where you're like, why aren't the crowd with this? Yeah. Because we've seen a hundred variants of it. The, re- the the fact that we're going to SummerSlam with it is a contrivance until it was completely rescued. It's a total yeah. contrivance that this thing is still a thing. Uh, the referee, I, I, for whatever the end result is, you know, we're building this up to have some fun with it. The fact that you've had to bury every single referee in the company to get there is just insane. But I can't be believe that's the strategy. The refereeing, the, there will be a referee from one of this roster of terrible referees, according to their own words. Yeah. Refereeing the biggest match at SummerSlam. Like turning your head on your side. Can you count to 10? Because that's like, maybe that's why it's fine because it's last man standing, so the shoulders don't need to be down. <laughs> like, it's not a pinfall. So referee, Define standing. Re- referees can handle that because it's not a pinfall. The yeah. thing they do every single match, every time. Well, actually, not in WWE. But no. the thing is, maybe that's why it is. Maybe there's been so many DQs and countouts over the years they forgot what a three count looks like. Is <laughs> that when you've gone on holiday for a, summer holidays and you've forgotten how to write? I your can't own write. Name. I can't count. So, as you, I was, as you say, I was ready to like two foot this with you. Yeah. Come in and go, like, so you've just said all your referees are completely impotent and rubbish and blah blah blah, and then you go just like when I think you can't do anything, get any dumber. <laughs> Go ahead and do something like this. And, and totally, totally redeem yourself. yourself. He's literally got it open on his phone. I'd Great be quite ready. Uh, so Postman Pierce comes out and says, yeah, bloody hell. Sorry, that's like two matches now you guys have had the, the crap officiating. But don't worry, we have a special guest referee at SummerSlam. It's going to be Jeff Jarrett. <laughs> two J's, zero L's. The life of Jeff Jarrett. Unbelievable scenes, right? This is going to scan as bias. So let me explain to you why this is objectively amazing. I can't. It's objectively <laughs> thick. Subjectively, I was in love with this. Yeah. Because Jeff Jarrett is the boy. Uh, Jeff Jarrett, of course, fresh off his uh, undefeated streak in GCW, <laughs> where he pinned Effie, then promptly left to take a job as Jeffrey Jarrett, the uh, CEO of live events or whatever it is in WWE. He's, <laughs> this, no, he's the chairman of the goddamn board. They're working in Nashville. There's gonna, I think there's like 35,000 tickets sold. And he's like, yeah, I'll have a bit of that. Thanks very much. <laughs> 
have a bit of that. <laughs> I'll work a stadium. No worries. I'll smash Jey Uso with a guitar to give <laughs> the belts to the Street Profits. Even though I'm a referee, I'm suddenly more like incompetent as a referee than the refs themselves because I've just swung a weapon at somebody. Um, Zeke. You're, uh, you're not doing your Elias bit at SummerSlam, are you? Yeah, I was thinking about it. Not anymore, pal. There's only one guitar on this one. Get that piece of A4 on the board. One guitar guy only. And his name is Jeff fucking Jarrett. Does that need spelling out for you? Because he'll fucking do it. Ah, oh, pot's so hard for this. This makes no sense, no. Wilborn. And that's why it's great. Because Jeff Jarrett having jobs in wrestling, and I love the man, Yeah, hasn't made logical sense for a lot of years. <laughs> like, there's the man that was thought, oh, right, Vince has got the monopoly. He's... he's uh, basically told me outright that I'm not going to work for his company again. I'll best set up an opposition and try really hard for like 12 years to try and be in opposition. All oh, right, I'm kind of out with that now. What can I do? Get hired by Vince again? Yeah, I think I will. <laughs> like there. Uh, they're in Nashville. I funny, I was like, I've not been a character here. Last time I was on screen, I was doing GCW. Another one like, this not Vince's competition, but an, a rival wrestling organisation. I just put myself on the card. <laughs> Job done. Another win for Jeff. Uh, should I work a match? Oof, that sounds like a lot of effort. Where referees have and just count to three. Nobody, like, I, I love this. There will be a, there is a subsection of uh, Jeff Jarrett appreciators, lifers, if you will, for Double J that know that he's, what a worker he is. Yet again, and I could do a list on this. I might, I might try and pitch this. Like, there are a lot of times in this man's life where he's turned ninety nine p into one pound. <laughs> by, by which I mean, by which I mean, it's not a lot of value to a lot of people, but it's extra to him. Yeah. And that's what I love about him. That's what this stupid, stupid industry is about. You get in and you make and you get out. And in Jeff's case, you get back in again just for the hell of it. I love this. One of my favorite things about going on the nights out with the boys mm. is the night out itself. And then the next day when you're so hungover, mm. you're like, oh, I, oh, this is the worst. I've never felt this bad, blah, blah, blah. And then there's suddenly a bit where you think, oh, I think everything might be all right. <laughs> And then the combination of the hangover and the tiredness and all the madness that's gone on in the preceding 12 hours, something happens and it hits you and it can be the most stupid, not actually that funny at all thing ever. And you and your mates are in hysterics. Yeah, I right? love that. So I'm watching this. I'm going, Jeff Jarrett, what is going on? <laughs> Get his own right? video package. And the video package. And I go like, this is absolutely bonkers. And I thought, you know what? You might feel whoever they were, Orlando, was it? Yeah. Yeah. That you it'd been a bit shortchanged. You didn't get Brock. You didn't get Roman. They're advertising like Brock. Brock's going to be on this show and this show, but not this one. <laughs> and I was like, well, at least we're going to get a nice, you know, Jeff's probably backstage working on this show. He can come out. He can maybe be wearing the, the black and white yeah. and, uh, and just do the old one, two, three, and all the teams look concerned. And then he just didn't come I out. I know, man. And they went... Well, I'll have the users and street promise fight a bit before we go up the air. And I was like, well, that's my e me ended. That was the end of my day yesterday. If there's one man inexorably linked to both the street profit and the users, it's not Jeff Jarrett, but you're getting him anyway. And you're not getting him. I, I, like, I was thinking, as soon as he says that, like, rarely, rarely will I advocate for black and white stripes on anything. I think it's a hideous colour palette for obvious reasons. Mm -hmm. But if he comes out with a black and white striped guitar at summer, like, man, yeah. All like, that, you know, the outfit we wore, where he wore it in the rumble. Yeah. So it's like, it's like oh, strap but, skin, yes. strap skin, strap skin, black and white then, but also. That wasn't, that, oh, oh well, you got me thinking. That wasn't even, by the way, like a tribute to his WrestleMania 11 gear, because it was the same as. It was his WrestleMania 11 gear. <laughs> he found the gear and it like, I, I imagine the conversation went, oh, Vince, 
what uh, Jeff Jarrett do you want me to be? You want me to be the uh, the old don't piss me off guy? Actually, you're a big star. <laughs> Who? <laughs> I, you don't remember? Like I was, I was a big deal. I was such a big deal that WWE signed me, and I kind of had to get that money off you. It caused a riff for a lot of years. Uh, King of the Mountain. I was top guy in TNA for a lot of years. People call me Triple J because I was effectively doing a Triple H, but in my promotion. Who? <laughs> you still doing that singing thing? Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> right, that's who you are. You, Do could you know what it is? It's the bit in The Simpsons, right? It's like, yeah, you like uh, you like dune buggies. <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah, everybody loves dune buggies. Everybody, everybody loves country singer Jeff Jarrett. Do that singing gimmick? Well, not for a while. I only did it to do like a bit of a you know fun thing. We're like, yeah, yeah, everybody, yeah, everybody loves gimmick. country singer Jeff Jarrett. <laughs> uh, it's class, man. It's uh, send the fans home happy. I mean, Nashville. I was going to say, uh, Nashville going to pop. Are they? Like, I'll, I love him. If I was there, I'd pop. This is a last-minute last, last call-out to what culture. Get me on that plane. Yeah. I'll be the loudest guy in the building for him. But I... Do you reckon on the whiteboard, me and Andy were talking about this on the news today because we are talking about Goldberg, and uh, and he was saying, oh, you never know when that phone's going to ring. And I was like, well, probably if Brock Lesnar had said no, immediately after that <laughs> phone yeah. call would have happened. I was like, do you reckon they had a white, you know, the whiteboard that they've got? Yeah. And they've got, like, SummerSlam, mm. and they've written Nashville, question mark. And they've got one thing that's, like... And a, a little line that goes to a picture of Jeff Jarrett. Yeah. And the only other line is just like, Kevin Nashville? <laughs> yeah, that's what not. I was just going to say. If I had that whiteboard and I couldn't get Jeff, the only thing I would do is like just erase the word Ville. <laughs> like, I'd just be like, until they saw, oh, okay then. <laughs> get, get on the phone. You've let, And also, the, the, the WWE sometimes is so backwards, they wouldn't even do that deliberately. Someone would just lean on the whiteboard and they go, oh, Steve, you've, you've rubbed it. Nash. <laughs> Wait a second. You know the bit in Usual Suspects where he drops the coffee? <laughs> oh my God. Oh my God. The, uh, it's a, like a nice segue, that, isn't it? Like, the, it's every now and then this comes, we have no choice but to roll out the red carpet to a new podcast. As we did with Jeff Jarrett when yeah. he took number one his first week. Like, uh, big up, big sexy. We're not often number two in the charts, but I will always, I will, we'll surre- I will surrender place to the right legends, and Nash is getting his turn in the spot. Yeah, enjoy, enjoy, enjoy your three weeks at the top. Yeah. Yeah, cup of coffee. I hope, I hope your you taste of the big time. You have the the decal, the the, the the stylings of a reversing dump truck. I hope it makes you very happy, Kevin. <laughs> <laughs> I'm joking. That's a, don't, please don't tell him I said that. Reversing just... dump truck. <laughs> <laughs> Wait a second. Right, let us know your thoughts on SmackDown on Twitter at What Culture WWE. Uh, watch there. You can follow both of us. You can follow Michael Hamlet at M I C H A E L M F L E double T. Michael Hamlet. Uh, Adam Wilborn for me at What Culture WWE for all of us, as I said. Uh, and make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling wherever you get your podcasts from. For daily wrestling podcasts, uh, we're going to be reviewing Rampage and we're going to be back looking ahead to Monday Now Raw a little bit later on today. But for now, this has been the SmackDown review. My thanks to Michael Hamlet. Thank you for joining us. And we will see you soon. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. 
And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.